living a life of faith and devotion, that, buzz, that doesn't mean they didn't have other lives. But these were people who were able to synthesize their careers, their families, their hobbies, their loves, what they liked and what they disliked with ibadah. Oftentimes what we look for is compartmentalized spirituality. I don't like the word spirituality, but I'm using it just to, to clarify things. Compartmentalized religion. So maybe when we're discussing the meaning of the book, Minhaj al-Abidin, the methodology of the devotees of Allah, someone listening now will say, that doesn't apply to me, I'm not a good person. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a professional uh, you know, stockbroker, or I'm in the fashion industry, or I'm a lawyer, or I'm an athlete. But the methodology of the, of the Quran and of the Prophet is not to encourage us to live compartmentalized lives. This is an outcome of secularism, where religion is here and my life is here. But a more nuanced, mature, enhanced articulation of religion is the one that synthesizes them all together and makes them all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبِ فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجَهُ اللَّهِ To Allah belongs all things. And Allah who subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي Mahya and Mamat, I've explained this before, are different than Hayat and Mot. Mahya means every aspect of my life is for Allah. And that's why in the Quran, if you look, for example, in Surah Al Baqarah, inshallah, this fall at Swiss, we'll be starting our live gatherings for Swiss students on Tafsir Surah Al Baqarah, inshallah. But if you look in Surah Al-Baqarah, you find the word taqwa used in an infinite number of contexts. Not just worship, but things like business, things like marriage, things like parenting, things like divorce, things like jihad. The iteration of compartmentalized religion is really the outcome of the West who seeks to mute the voice of God from the public sphere, to mute the voice of God, even now from religion, where what's popular in Western culture undermines what were once considered foundational religious ideas and beliefs. But subhanAllah, this is why our fuqaha, when they described the halal and the haram, they said khitabullah, from the word khutbah, the communication of God, to creation, related to their actions, through the Prophet wasallam and the ulama. So I don't want anyone to think that the, the, the title of the book, Minhaj al-Abidin ila jannati rabbil alameen, means that suddenly you have to make some kind of really life-altering decision. Or that you have to suddenly like exit the normal current of your life. Islam 
is a very mature, beautiful, intelligent, nuanced dean. Very rarely, rare, very rarely does it seek to destroy our lives. It encourages us to reform them and polish them. Islah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never says in the Quran, لِتُدَمِّرُوا نُفُوسَكُمْ وَتُهْلِكُوا قُلُوبَكُمْ Allah never says in the Quran that you should destroy your hearts and destroy your souls. وَتُمِيتُوا شَخْصِيَّتَكُمْ And destroy your personalities. وَتُبْدِيدُ And ruin your cultures. The word the Quran uses is islah. Islah means to reform. So to be a committed Muslim is someone who is trying and struggling to constantly reform their life and improve their lives. MashaAllah. And that's why the chapter that's in front of us now is very important. If Imam al-Ghazali had only written Minhaj al-Abidin for religious people, for righteous people, then why is the second major obstacle to a life of faith and devotion, repentance? Wa alaykum salam rahmatullah to Birmingham, England. And wa alaykum salam rahmatullah to everybody on Instagram. So subhanallah, we learned something here that the second aqaba, the second hurdle is repentance. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Kullu bani adam khatta. Every human being makes mistakes. And the best of those who make mistakes are those who repent to Allah. So repentance is something very important. Because it allows us to weld the mistakes we've made in our life, the shortcomings that we've experienced in a life of struggle to draw near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our faith. It's the glue that brings a shattered life together. It's the cement that strengthens a broken soul. Tawbah is the foundation of everything. That's why Sidi Ahmed al-Zaruq used to say, مَا شَيْءَ أَشَدُّ عَلَى الشَّيْطَانِ مِنْ تَجْدِيدِ الْمُؤْمِنِ تَوْبَتَهِ That there's nothing more difficult on shaitan except when a believer renews their repentance. So no one here should be listening to this and thinking, I'm not worthy. I, I'm also not worthy, subhanAllah. All of us are struggling to be better people. But the way of, a li the way of life and faith and worship is one that welcomes everybody, alhamdulillah, who is really trying to do the best they can. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the proof for what I just said is found in Surah Fatir. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ أَوْرَثْنَا الْكِتَابَ الَّذِي نَصْطَفَيْنَا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا فَمِنْهُمْ ظَالِمُ لِنَفْسِهِ وَمِنْهُمْ مُقَتَّصِدِ وَمِنْهُمْ سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Allah says that the ummah of Muhammad falls into three types of people. The first are sinners. The second are those who are struggling between sin and good. And the third, سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ The foremost in doing good. 
So subhanAllah, Allah says, min ibadina from our servants, minhum zalimun nafsi. And some of them are sinners. Just because they're sinners, doesn't mean they're not the ibad of Allah. See something there, subhanAllah. And that's why Imam al-Tahawi, in his famous aqidah, he said, al-mu'minun kulluhum rahman All of the believers are friends of Allah. But they have different levels of commitment. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Yazidna wa iyyakum insha'Allah. So that's why we reach now Al-Aqaba Athaniya. Allah wa hiya aqaba atawbah. We reach now the second hurdle to living a life of faith and devotion. And it is the hurdle of repentance. How could it be a hurdle? For someone who neglects it and doesn't use it as a tool for utility in their relationship with faith and devotion, then they are accused of being negligent. For someone who is overcome by anxiety and sadness about their spiritual state, then they have succumbed to the anxiety, which is really a lack of iman that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rahmah is wasi'ah. This is a big sin. So that person says, you know, la'alallaha subhanahu wa ta'ala la yatuba alayhi kathrati dhunubi. Allah will never forgive me. I've done so many sins. I've done so many bad things then they are going to be caught in this trap. And they will not have used tawbah, which actually is tahrirun nufus, min al-yas. Right? That repentance actually is emancipating a person's soul from being despondent. The third is somebody who doesn't think they have any sins. So they never repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that became now a problem because everybody sins. So maybe somebody, people told them, you're a sheikh, you're imam, you're so amazing. MashaAllah, you read the Quran like this, or you have so much knowledge. And that person, their heart begins to feel, fill up with the helium of people's praises. And they forget themselves. That's why one of our teachers used to say, fitna," right? That knowledge is, is a challenge unless you use it, unless you accompany it with tawbah and worship. And then finally, are those people who discourage other people to the point that those other people do not seek repentance. Man yughliq rahmah the one who closed the door of mercy in the hearts of the Muslims. Then that person became a sahabi of shaitan and an ally to helping shaitan's plan. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ghafir, I, I forgive all sins. And we're going to talk about the word ghafur and ghaffar later. 
شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ ذِي الطَّوْلِ And also Allah is the one who punishes. And that takes it to the sixth person, sorry. The one who sins so much that his or her sins made them arrogant. And he or she feels like, yeah, I don't need to forgive. Allah will forgive me. There's no problem. Look at my life. My life is good. I got a good job. I have a nice car. I have a nice house. Alhamdulillah. I have the latest this, 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 this. So they became deceived by the material. But they forgot that, as the Prophet ﷺ said, لَيْسَ الْغِنَى عَنْ كَثْرَةِ الْعَرْضِ وَلَكِنَّ الْغِنَى غِنَى النَّفْسِ That richness and being rich isn't what you have. Rich is what's in your heart. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يُوَفِّقَنَا وَإِيَّاكُمْ قَالَ إِمَامَ أَبُوْ حَامِدَ الْغَزَارِ رَحِمُهُ اللَّهِ نَفْعَنَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ بِعِلْمِهِ فِي دَارِينِ آمِينَ Imam al-Ghazari, he continues and he says, ثُمَّ يَقِينًا أَنَّ هَذِهِ الْعَقَبَةَ عَقَبَةٌ صَعْبَةٌ أَمْرُهَا مُهِمٌ وَضَرَرُهَا عَظِيمٌ Imam Abu Hamad says, you must know with certainty that this hurdle of repentance is difficult. And it is an incredibly important affair whose harm can be also extremely powerful, as we just talked about. What he means is the one who fails to use it correctly or fails to use it at all, then their harm is going to be great. Because if something is given to you that can benefit you in every way possible and you and I don't use it, then not using it is a crime. Or failing to use it correctly is a problem. MashaAllah, we have a special guest. We have a special guest. Yeah, with popsicles. MashaAllah, ahlan biki wa marhaban. So if we fail to use something correctly that we have to use, if someone teaches you before you get on the plane or before the plane takes off, Wear this, wear this mask if something happens and you don't wear it, what's going to happen to you? If someone says to you, utilize this tool through your entire life so you will be forgiven and meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a clean slate and I and you fail to use it correctly, well, there you go. So that's why Sayyidina Abu Hamid uh, al-Ghazari, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, وَالضَّرَرُوهَا اَيَضَّرَرُوا تَرْكِيهَا The harm of not utilizing it, أو عدم استعمالها عظيم There's a mudaf here that's mahdhuf. Yani. So failing to utilize it correctly is a great harm. And he says, فَلَقَدَ بَلَغَنَا عَنِ الْأُسْتَاذِ أَبِي إِسْحَاقِ الْإِسْفَارَيِّينِ إِسْفَارَيِّينِ وَأَبُوْ إِسْحَاقِ الْإِسْفَارَيِّينِ was one of the great, great scholars of usul al-fiqh from the Shafi'i Madhab. His name is Al-Ustaz. So if you read in any old text, it says, وَقَالَ الْأُسْتَاذِ in usul al-fiqh it means أَبُوْ إِسْحَاقِ الْإِسْفَارَيِّينِ رَحِمُهُ اللَّهِ وَكَانَ مِنَ الْرَاسِخِينَ فِي الْعِلْمِ الْعَامِلِينَ بِهِ 
And Imam Ghazali says that Abu Ishaq al-Isfarayini was a person who knew and worshipped. He acted on what he knew. Annahu qal, that he said, so it's been narrated to us that Abu Ishaq al-Isfarayini, he said, Da'utu Allaha subhanahu thalathina sana. I supplicated to Allah for 30 years. And yarzuqani tawbatan nasuha. That Allah will, will bless me with the provision of sincere repentance. Thumma ta'ajabtu fi nafsi faqultu subhanallahi hajatun. Da'utu Allaha fiha thalathina sana fama qudiyat ilayya al-an. He said, and then after 30 years of consistently asking Allah to grant him sincere repentance, he said to himself, after 30 years, I made this dua. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not decreed it for me. He was shocked. 30 years of dua. Not, not like in a way of questioning the dua, saying, this, this thing I'm asking for is incredible. He said, then I saw in my dream, He said, then I saw in my dream, a person who said, are you really surprised that for 30 years you're asking for this? Do you really understand what you're asking for when you're asking Allah to make you someone who sincerely repents? Indeed, what you're really asking for is Allah's love. Allahu Akbar. And then he said to him, in the dream, don't, don't, you, don't you remember the verse where Allah says, Allah loves those who constantly repent and those who are constantly pure. He said to him, do you think that's something easy? Notice the verse in Surah Tawbah. Allah says, Tawabin. He doesn't say, Ta'ibin. He didn't say, Inna Allah yuhibbu Ta'ibin. Why? Because that well, we have a very important principle in, in Arabic morphology. It's very important actually. Teach it to my students. Which means whenever something is added to a word, whether it's a letter or a shadda, it means the intensity of the word changes. It becomes more intense. So if you look at Surah Tawbah, it doesn't say, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّائِبِينَ وَيُحِبُّ الْمُطَهِّرِينَ He says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ And this form, fu'al, is called sifa al-mubalagha. The form is a form that means it happens a lot. Sifa al-mubalagha. Ay, ala al-kathra. And that's why it's very important that, again, I can't say this enough for Western-speaking Muslims. Man, educate yourself. Don't reduce religious education 
to scrolling. The only scrolls that you're going to find religious education are the scrolls in the office of your sheikh or your teacher. Not this kind of scrolling. That is going to encourage you. It's going to, it's going to uh, add like salt on the food. But the meat, the bandukan, is with your sheikh. You got to study. You got to learn. Nobody will learn the deen for you. And you don't learn to be a scholar. You learn to be a worshiper. So he says, Inna Allaha yuhibbu tawwabin. Tawwab means the one who's always repenting. Always repenting. Constantly repenting. And, and the, this, this is the same form, by the way, in the hadith, where the Prophet wasallam said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala curses a zawarat. It's translated wrong. And because it's translated wrong, People understand it wrong, especially certain types of people. The hadith is translated as Allah curses women who visit graves. But if you take the rule of Arabic that I just taught you, it doesn't say za'irat, it says zawarat. Does it mean that it's a woman who visits the grave like any normal person? Or does zawarat mean a woman who visits the grave so much that she neglects other responsibilities? Ah. So the same idea here. So in Allah yuhibbu tawabin wa yuhibbu al-mutatahir. Allah loves those who constantly repent. Afibihadihi hajatun hayyina. Is this like an easy thing? Then Sayyidina Abu Hamad says, فَانْظُرْ إِلَى هَأُولَاءِ الْأَئِمَّةِ وَاهْتِمَامِهِمْ وَمُوَاضَبَتِهِمْ عَلَى صَلَاحِ الْقُلُوبِ Abu Hamid commenting about the life of Abu Ishaq al-Isfarayini. He says, look. Look at these people who spent their entire life in Tawbah. Working to reform themselves as we talked about earlier. Islam does not ask us to destroy our lives, destroy our personality, destroy our families, destroy our cultures. Islam is a much more deeper religion. It is not a shallow religion. Allah says, doesn't say تُدَمِّرُوا قُلُوبَكُمْ أَوْ تُهْلِكُوا حَيَاتَكُمْ وَثِقَافَاتِكُمْ It says, what? يُسْلِحْ إِصْلَحْ Reform. وَتَزَوَّدْ لِمَعَادِهِمْ Then he says, look at these people, how they work to improve their hearts and to prepare for the hereafter. وَأَمَّا Now Abu Hamad al-Ghazali says, وَأَمَّا ضَرَرُوا الْمَخُوفِ Sayyidina Imam Abu Hamid says, and there is a sin for delaying tawbah that should be feared. There is a harm related to delaying tawbah. Because he says, he said the first is that it's a sin. To delay tawbah is a sin. And the second is that its ending is going to be bad. Right? Someone may experience like either in this life, sin leads to irresponsibility, or in the hereafter. That's why there's a, a narration attributed to the Prophet 
it's not strong, but the meaning is strong, that the most people in the hellfire is from a taswif. A taswif means someone who's between Tawbah and not making Tawbah, so they don't make Tawbah. فَمَا هَلَكَ مَنْ هَلَكَ إِلَّا بِتَسْوِيفِ Nobody will experience punishment in the hereafter like those people who delay Tawbah. وَإِيَّاكَ أَنْ تَنْسَى أَمْرَ إِبْلِيسِ And the Imam Abu Hamad says, And be careful that you do not become deceived as Iblis was deceived. He thought he can delay Tawbah. وَبَلْعَمَ إِبْنِ بَعُورَ And بَلْعَمَ إِبْنُ بَعُورَ is mentioned in Surah A'raf. That said that is his name. Allahu Adam, what his real name is. This man who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him ayat, the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah says in Surah Watlu Alihim Nabal Lidya Ataina Ayatainahu Ayatina. Surah Araf related them the story of this person who he showed our signs and then he, he turned away from those signs and began to follow his hawa. Famathaluhu kamathal kalb. And his example is like that of a dog. And no matter what you do, is always going to want something, always going to need something. So he's saying, be careful. Iblis, because he was arrogant. I can't read Brown Bear now. I'm sorry, you want to read Brown Bear? You want to read Brown Bear now? It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I know, I know. My daughter wants me to read Brown Bear. You want to read Panda Bear with everybody? Yalla, yalla. Black sheep, black sheep, what do you see? Oh no, what's happening? That's the, that's the goldfish, man. Okay. You got it? So, alhamdulillah. We want to be careful of being like Iblis, someone who was so stubborn and so uh, uh, um, arrogant that he didn't repent. And also like Bal'ama ibn Ba'ura, who his, his hawa and his shahwa caused him not to repent to Allah. So he says, Wa be careful of being like those two. Because it started with sin. And the end for both of them was kufr, disbelief. And that both of them, according to the Quran, are destroyed. Then he says, Sayyidina Abu Hamil Ghazali, rahimahullah, he says, you must be aware and you must work hard. And the root of this need to sin and constantly disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be taken from your heart. Will be taken from your heart. And that you will escape the bonds of the sin. In other words, he's building on what happened with Abu Ishaq al Isfarayini, who spent 30 years 
constantly trying to become a better person. So what Sayyidina Imam al-Muhammad is saying is, stay alert and stay focused. Don't fall for your nafs like Bal'ama and don't become arrogant and obstinate like Iblis. وَلَا تَأْمَنْ قَصْفَةَ الْقَلْبِ مِنَ الذُّنُوبِ وَتَأَمَّ الْحَالَكَ He said, because the heart will never, وَيْكُمْ سَلَامُ رَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ أَحْمَدُ That the heart will never escape being harsh, being hard. So be aware of your state, your hal. And I said this before, that the hal is the action of the heart. The af'al are the actions of your limbs. Fa'fi'il means what I do physically. Hal is what I do internally. So the shaykh is saying, وَتَأَمَّ halak, Know your states. فَلَقَدْ قَالَ بَعْدُ الصَّالِحِينَ he said, because some of the righteous people said, That the pollution of the heart happens because of sin. Then he talks about what are the signs of this? What are the signs that I'm not making tawbah and that my heart is becoming polluted? So Abu Hamad, he says, مَفْزَعًا وَلَا لِطَاعَةٍ مَوْقِعًا وَلَا لِلْمَوْعِذَةِ مَنْ جَعًا He says that the signs that the heart is not engaged in repentance and this pollution, this corruption, this corrosion uh, is settling in the heart. He said there are three things. The first is that the heart doesn't fear sin. The second, The second is that obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not impact the heart or impact the person. Allah says in the Quran, He commanded us to pray, but then later on, what does He say? Right? Right, that prayer keeps away from evil. So if, if I'm really praying correctly and my heart is there, that prayer is going to guide me and protect me from evil. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about fasting? That fasting has been prescribed for you so you will achieve taqwa. What is the outcome of hajj? Right, that hajj should... I shouldn't engage in arguments and fighting and things like this in Hajj. That salah, uh, zakat should, should purify me and my wealth from sin. So Sayyidina Abi Hamad al-Ghazari says, That the sign that the heart is becoming polluted that there is no fear in the heart of sin. If you speak Arabic, and that the obedience of Allah is not impacting me as a person. Like knowledge, what's the purpose of learning? 
to be famous, to have a lot of likes, to get a lot of attention? No. Subhanallah, Sayyidina Junaid al-Baghdadi radiallahu anhu, one of the greatest scholars of Islam. He is to tasawwuf what Imam Malik and Imam Shafi'i and Imam Abi Hanif and Imam Ahmed are to fiqh. He is to tasawwuf what Sayyidina Imam Ad-Dani is to qiraat. Sayyidina Imam Al-Junaid, when he died, one of his students saw him in a dream. And he said, all this knowledge that you learned, all of the, the great things that you learned, the knowledge you acquired, what did it do for you that saved you in the hereafter? Because he was happy. He said, Wallahi, the only thing that saved me was that my knowledge inspired me to pray at night. Subhanallah. As the Prophet said, Sayyidina Jibreel said to Sayyidina Muhammad, The honor of the believer is praying tahajjud. What does it mean? The honor in the akhirah. فَإِنَّ شَرَفَ الْمُؤْمِنِ قِيَامُ اللَّيْلِ But those scholars actually ran away from public attention. And they felt that public attention was a test and a trial that could corrupt their knowledge. Because they would lose the foundations of the knowledge to make people happy. We ask Allah to forgive us all. This is a challenge many people face. That's why Imam Ibn, Ibrahim Ibn Adham, one of the greatest scholars of his day, he said, the greatest day of my life was when I went into a masjid late at night and nobody knew me. It was after Isha and I went there to sleep. And the Bawab, the caretaker of the masjid, he thought I was a thief. So he threw me out. And as he was throwing me out, I tried to tell him, I'm Ibrahim ibn Adham. He said, but I was not able to identify myself. And he said, this was the happiest day of my life because it recentered me on the purpose of knowledge. The purpose of knowledge. That's why we say that the purpose of knowledge is to be known with Allah and unknown with His creation. But the purpose of dunya is to be known with creation and unknown with Allah. How many of us, we have ikhlas in dunya and an absence of ikhlas in Allah and the akhirah. So the purpose of knowledge is anta ta'lam Allah. You know Allah. The more I know Allah, the less other things mean to me. The grandeur of the dunya becomes centered and balanced. And the more I know dunya, the lie of the grandeur of the dunya and its permanence become dilated. And my understanding and ma'rifah of Allah become constricted. We ask Allah bil'afiyah. We used to have a shaykh, Sheikh Muhammad Mahdi from Algeria. We used to read with him every morning, mashallah. 
The Shaykh used to read with us Fiqh Shafi'i, Fiqh Maliki, the Muatta, and Jama' Jawami'. Al Atar ala Jama' Jawami'. These are like really great texts, mashallah. And we were just like budding students in Egypt in a place called Mantiqatu Zahra. And I remember after teaching us, he would say, go do sadaqah, go do charity, go pray to rakah, go help somebody, do something. We said, why? He said, because the knowledge, the purpose of the knowledge is for you to do good, to do what Allah loves. So when Sayyidina Imam Al-Ghazali says, وَلَا that the obedience of Allah doesn't have an impact on that heart. How is that even possible, man? How is it possible not to have an impact when this is the obedience of Allah? How is it possible to like diminish the nur of the Quran or the nur of Sayyid al-Aqwan? How is that possible? Nurun ala nur. What that means is a person doesn't benefit when they're reminded. Somebody reminds them nicely, with good character, with akhlaq, because we know that the, the etiquettes of nasiha are what? It should be done in private. Number two, it should be done in a way that doesn't shame the person. Number three, the person who advised them should also have a, 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 like a plan of action to help the person. That's why the word nasiha is from nasaha, to, to, to sew a garment back together. When you sew a garment back together, you don't rip it in half. You, you take the needle and you sew very carefully. The same thing when we see shortcomings in one another, we, we use this needle very carefully so that we don't hurt each other more. Al-amru bil-ma'ruf bil-ma'ruf. To call to good has to lead to good. So we should be careful of ridiculing people sometimes who may try to sincerely advise us, even though it's hard. Because, you know, that's one of the signs of a talawwath al-qalb. So to review... Sayyidina Imam Abu Hamid, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi. He says, وَلَا تَأْمَنْ قَسْوَةَ الْقَلْبِ مِنَ الذُّنُوبِ وَتَأَمَّلْ حَالَكَ فَرَقَدْ قَالَ بَعْضُ الصَّالِحِينَ إِنَّ تَلَوَّثَ الْقَلْبِ مِنَ الذُّنُوبِ He says, you have to know yourself and be aware of yourself because the, the, the pollution that happens from sin is the pollution of the heart. وَعَلَمَاتُ ذَلِكَ And the sign of that heart being polluted that the person doesn't feel any fear of sin. That's number one. And that in obeying Allah, there's no, there's no, there's no athar. It doesn't impact a person. That the person doesn't like benefit. They don't take benefit from people who advise them. That's why Sayyidina Umar used to say, People will not succeed 
if they don't love advisors. And people who don't have people around them to advise them don't succeed. Imam al-Muhasib used to say, Who advises you loves you. And who has flattered you has cheated you. Then Imam Abu Hamad al-Ghazari, he continues his advice. He says, do not counter, do not consider any sin as insignificant. And do not consider yourself repenting while you're doing major sins. Here we need to make a point though, as mentioned by the fuqaha, that a person does not have to repent from everything at once. That may be too much for them. And this was the way of the Sahaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala slowly legislated what was haram for them. Everything didn't come at once. It came over time. So is it possible for someone to say they're living a very sinful life? May Allah protect us. We all live sinful lives, but I'm saying like egregiously sinful. Is it possible that that person could say, let's say, for example, I don't pray. I smoke drugs or something and I'm a thief. Right. Do I have to repent from all three of those at once or can I start with one and slowly begin to work on the others? There's two points to this. Number one, it is allowed to repent step by step. Unless it involves the hukuk of the ibad. So when it comes to the, the rights of God, I don't pray, I don't fast, I don't make hajj, I don't pay zakah, may Allah protect us. It's best if I can immediately change that. If possible, alhamdulillah, I became obedient to Allah. But maybe for some reason I don't have the strength, it may break me, so I start, say, with salah. Then I move on to zakah, then I move on to hajj. But if it involves the hukuk of ibad, if those sins involve other people, then I have to repent from them immediately. Why? Because Allahu al-Ghani, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether you and I repent or, or obey Allah, doesn't matter. That's for us. But those other people, they need their haqq. He says, فَرَقَدْ بَلَغَنَا عَنْ كَهْمِ سِبْنِ الْحَسَنِ أَنَّهُ قَالْ إِذْ And he mentions this great quote of كَهْمِ سِبْنِ الْحَسَنِ who used to say إِذْ ذَمْتُ ذَمَّنْ فَأَنَا أَبْكِي عَلَيْهِ مُنْدُ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً and he mentioned that I did a sin 40 years ago that still I weep about this sin 40 years later. So the people ask him, what did you do? And he said, لَقَدْ زَارَنِي أَخٌ لِي فِي اللَّهِ فَاشْتَرَيْتُ لَهُ سَمَكًا فَأَكَرَ ثُمَّ قُمْتُ إِلَى حَائِتٍ جَارِي فَأَخَدْتُ مِنْهُ قِطْعَةَ طِينَ فَغَصَرَ بِهَا يَدَهُ 
He said, you know, somebody visited my house and I fed him some fish and I took something from my neighbor's yard, like very small like this, so that person could wash his hands. And so what he's saying here is, of course, this is like high level. But what he's saying is, look how like focused he was on sin. Then Abu Hamad says something very powerful, Al-Ghazali, he says, فَنَاقِشْ نَفْسَكْ وَحَاسِبْهَا وَسَارِ إِلَى تَوْبَةِ وَبَارِدْ فَإِنَّ الْأَجَرَ مَكْتُوبٌ وَالدُّنْيَا غُرُورٌ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ وَاللَّهِ الْكَلِمَاتِ دِي يُسْتَحَقْ أَنْ يُكْتَبُ بِالْمَأْ ذَهْبٌ What Imam Al-Ghazali says now should be written in gold. He says, فَنَاقِشْ نَفْسَكْ Debate yourself. Right? Munaqasha. Debate yourself. Wahasibha. And then control yourself. And then run to repentance and race to repentance. Because your death is hidden from you. And dunya is a mirage. Allahu Akbar. If that was the only thing we said for the entire class, now we're about 15 lessons into this book. If this was the only thing that we said in this book, wallahi, it would be enough. This advice is enough to live our lives correctly. Fanaqish nafsak. Here doesn't mean discuss, like discuss. Have a discussion with yourself. Munaqasha is discussions. Fanaqish nafsak. Sit down and have a discussion with yourself. And then control yourself. And then race to repentance. Because your death is unknown. It's hidden. And the dunya is a mirage. Someone like Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, what would he prescribe for young Muslims and Muslims in general today if he saw how we were living? How we want to all be famous. We all want to go viral. It's crazy it's called viral. Because there's a lot of viruses and all that. The need for attention. The need for fame. But we said whoever knows Allah, then the, 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 the wealth of the dunya is centered and balanced. Whoever knows the dunya, then their understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes constricted. A'udhu billah. فَنَاقِشْ نَفْسَكَ وَحَاسِبْهَا وَسَارِ إِلَى تَوْبَةِ وَبَادِرْ فَإِنَّ الْأَجَرَ مَكْتُمْ وَالدُّنْيَا غُرُورٌ Wallahi, what a, a statement. وَالنَّفْسَ وَالشَّيْطَانِ عُدُوَانِ And that your nafs and shaitan are constant enemies. وَتَدَرَّعْ إِلَى اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَ وَتَعَالَى وَابْتَهِلْ إِلَيْهِ وَاذْكُرْ حَالَ أَبِينَ آدَمَ Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Alladhi khalaquhu Allahu ta'ala biyadihi wa nafakha So, yeah, and the reason he says that your, your, the, the dunya is a mirage and, and your death is unknown is someone that's walking through a mirage The de death is going to hit them suddenly That's why Allah says in Surah Al-Maidah Asabatkum musibatul mawt The musibah of mawt hit you Boom came out of nowhere. 
It came out of nowhere because they're caught up in the dunya. That's why the Prophet said, Consider yourself from the people of the graves. If you and I live like we were dead, we would live in the hereafter. But if we live like we're alive, we will not live in the hereafter, we'll die. That's why Allah says, Allah khalaq al wal The one who created death and life. Death is dunya, and haya is akhirah. Kamaqari ibn Abbas. Allah khalaq al Allah khalaq dunya wal al That's why he mentions death first, because we got it twisted. We think we're alive now, we're going to die later. La ayahi. Inna dar al akhirah la al hayawan. The hereafter is really the, the party. So it says, That shaitan and your nafs are your enemies. So flee to Allah and humble yourself to Allah and turn to Allah impoverished and remember Adam. Your father and my father, alayhi salam, alladhi khalaqahu Allahu ta'ala bi yadihi wa nafakha fi, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created him with his power and authority, wa nafakha fi, and breathed into him, min ruhi, the command of his life, wa hamalahu ila jannatihi ala a'naqil malaika, and who had the malaika, as we believe in tradition, carry him to jannah. لم يذنب إلا ذنبا واحدا فنزل به ما نزل حتى وروي أن الله تعالى قال له يا آدم أي جار كنت لك قال نعم الجار يا ربي يا الله He said that Adam he only made one simple mistake and with that one simple mistake he was evicted from Jannah and he was a prophet who Allah created and breathed his life, commanded life to be breathed into him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after Adam was removed from Jannah, he said to Adam, Ya Adam, ayu jarin kuntu lak? When Adam was in dunya, Allah said to him, Who was your neighbor before? Qala ni'mul jari ya Rabbi, the best neighbor, Ya Allah. Then he was evicted from Jannah. He said, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him, like, after he ate and disobeyed Allah, and after he ate from the tree, Allah said to him, Ya Adam, who was your neighbor? The best neighbor. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ukhruj min jawari. Get out of paradise. ratsik and remove from your head taj karamati, the honor of my karamat. Fa'innahu la yujawiruni man asani. Nobody can be my neighbor who disobeys me. Then he says, Hatta. It's, it's not strongly narrated, but it's narrated that Sayyidina that he wept for 200 years. Of course, this is like hyperbolic stuff, but it means he, he was upset for years. 
until Allah accepted his repentance. And then Allah forgave him of that sin, that mistake. He said, this is how Allah engaged a prophet. What about us? Who we have an infinite number of sins. He said, look how Adam, he turned to Allah sincerely, then what about you and I? وَلَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ مَا قَالَ Then he mentions one poem. يَا خَافُوا عَلَى نَفْسِي مَنْ يَتُوبُوا فَكَيْفَ تَرَى حَالَ مَنْ لَا يَتُوبُوا Allahu Akbar. يَا خَافُوا عَلَى نَفْسِي مَنْ يَتُوبُوا فَكَيْفَ تَرَى حَالُ مَا لَا يَتُوبُوا This is Bahar Rajiz, by the way, if you're Arab. This form of poetry is called Rajiz. Mustafil, Mustafil, Mustafil. What does the poem say? يَخَافُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ مَنْ يَتُوبُ فَكَيْفَ تَرَى حَالَ مَنْ لَا يَتُوبُ He said, we fear for the person who repents. And what about the person who doesn't? Inshallah, we're going to stop here. And next week, we're going to finish the section on repentance. One hour every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. And what is Imam Abu Hamad going to talk about next? فَإِن تُبْتَ ثُمَّ نَقَضْتَ تَوْبَتَ what if you repented and then you broke your repentance, the vow of your repentance, right? So what if somebody repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then they broke that vow because they went back to the sin. And they returned to the sin. What should happen in that situation? Here we see something really beautiful, the mercy of Islam and the forgiveness of religion is far more greater and far more nuanced and far more caring than contemporary society where nobody has a chance to repent. And the reason that secular society is so brutal on human beings is because it does not believe in the day of judgment. So it tries to invoke the wrath of the day of judgment now. Now. So when people make mistakes, we see social media seeks to destroy their life and throw them into hell. Yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about, of course, crimes and, you know, really evil things. But even for, for things where people are just being human, they make mistakes, man. Where Islam, alhamdulillah, rahmatullahi wasi'ah, and of course, people have to earn the trust of others and responsibility comes with incredible challenges, but... Ya Allah, the world today is brutal, man. So next week, insha'Allah ta'ala, we continue. فَإِن تُبْتَ ثُمَّ نَقَطَّ تَوْبَةَ وَعُدْتَ إِلَى ذَنْبٍ ثَانِيًا فَعُدْ قَعُدْ إِلَى تَوْبَةٍ مُبَادِرًا What should we do, alhamdulillah, if we break the vow of tawbah, which happens a lot, we're all human beings, subhanAllah, these things happen. Alhamdulillah, Abida Chowdhury has taken notes. So Abida Chowdhury, if you send me a message, a DM, I'm going to give you lifetime subscription to Swiss because, mashallah, that's how we roll with people who take notes for other people. We appreciate you. And Ahsan, of course, on the Zoom, we also owe you a lifetime subscription to Swiss. You can reach out to me and I will take care of it, inshallah. Any questions 
uh, before we let people go. Barakallahu feekum. I save it and usually I post it on YouTube. You can find all the recordings on YouTube, alhamdulillah, as well. And then also I post it here, alhamdulillah. And also for our amazing group of people here at the NYU Zoom account, may Allah bless you, Ahsan, alhamdulillah, taking these incredible notes. And I should start sending you some notes before to make it easy for you, I feel feel bad, man. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakamallahu khairan. We'll see you next week, inshallah, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time for our weekly reading of this book of Abu Hamad al-Ghazari. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.